Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ Branson and Zach Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. So that was a little bit of uh, fanfare, uncalled for, I'm sure. But we uh, we missed yesterday's episode. It was just it was a mental health day for me, man. Uh, we're back talking about fantasy hockey. It is, and also it's a bye week for me, so I'm like really friggin' tuned out. Well, screw you, know? you dude. <laughs> screw you, dude. Some of us have to have to do something around here. Well, you should have a better fantasy hockey team. And then maybe you wouldn't have to. I got one of those vacations. Yeah, I was I was one game behind you. <laughs> All I needed to do was tie it up since I've beaten you twice. See, that's the thing. I'm like the only person that can beat you yeah. in this league. And that's the way the playoffs are going to shake out. I get the winner of Toby and Zach. His real name's Tony, but we call him Toby. I don't know if there's anything, if you guys like know about our league or anything, but... Yeah, Which, if I were him, would, would piss me off. Good. That's why like I do it. Like, if everybody always called me, like, my name by a different letter. Yeah. I think that's why we originally started doing that anyway. You're like, no, your name's not Tony, it's Toby. <laughs> All right, anyway, so uh, we missed yesterday's episode. There are plenty of injuries to go around. We're going to get through them as fast as we can here. There are a couple that actually mean something in Cumble that are just kind of like, uh, that we should touch on. Tonight, McDavid is out. Sick, so it's nothing really huge unless you're a McDavid owner, and we're really counting on those points in this the perfect schedule for Edmonton. Um, but when I say it doesn't mean too much, he'll probably be back for Wednesday. That's what I mean. It's good for Mark Andre Fleury tonight, bad for Tyler Ennis, super bad for Tyler Ennis because he's playing with nobody now. And the second line, super cool, <laughs> typically, um, RNH, Dry, and Yams are the second line, they're going to be seeing huge minutes tonight. And yeah, RNH just got a goal too with Yam- with uh, Yamamoto on the assist. Yeah, I think they're going to be seeing plenty of minutes, and they're up on Vegas right now. It's like quarter after eleven. We're getting down to it. It is Neil and Chase on on the top power play over Yamamoto, so we're seeing a different look than when McDavid was out before because Neil is back. So the, I guess the cards are shuffled a, a different way right now. Uh, Brock Besser, the next one, he is ahead of schedule, but not due back until mid March which, coincidentally, is coming up next week. So, for me, it's good for a bi-week stash. I got him right now just hanging out in my IR, him and Tarasenko, so I'm just kind of, like, biding my time there. But remember, he was playing line three minutes while he was still healthy and was even bumped down to power play two for a little bit. Uh, and Toffoli, like, he's making an argument. He's looking good with Pedersen and Miller. But, Zach, what's the argument for Besser beating out Louis Erickson? It seems like Travis Green is just like, there are a lot of things that I could say right now that he is doing to Lurie Erickson. It seems like he really, really, really likes this guy. How, how is this possible? You're trying to get your likes Louis Erickson? I don't know, man. I have a feeling Louis Erickson isn't even a fan of himself. Not many of us so are. I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I'm just going to fake it till I make it. He's making it. <laughs> but one could argue that, like... There could be a Pearson, Horvat, and Besser top line. I know there was a much. I know there was much more chemistry. The the Pedersen Miller line. Horvat has even been power play two before. PD's not the best on faceoffs, but Miller is. So there is like there is a path for Besser to get to the top power play right now. I know Toffoli kind of took that spot, but I think it's still risky with Brock Besser. So if if you're like me, have a bye week, or if you have an IR spot open, keep Besser in there just until you know what those minutes are going to look like. Because if if you're going to wind up with third line, second power play from Vancouver, you're going to have a bad time. 
So just just watch out. Keep it all in mind. Zach, Morgan Riley will be back tomorrow. So Morgan Riley back tomorrow, man. That's got to feel real good. Get one of your guys off IR finally. Yeah, I already took him off IR, and I and I put Rantanen right in there because he was just waiting, just chillaxing. Yeah, I got nothing on him right now. But it looks like Morgan Riley is going to resume his power play two duties. He was on the second power play in practice today. And saying that, Morgan Riley's been on IR since January 13th. And since then, there's been 23 games. They're 11, 9, and 3 with a 22% effective power play. But in their last 10, Zach, they're 3 for 30. So there is kind of like this outside chance that maybe they try and spice it up with Riley up on that top power play. But I do think they're going to stick with that. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Um, I, I am very excited for him to come back. It's at least one extra guy for you. It's at least me having some sort of defense now. (laughs) What do you say about Quinn Hughes? Instead of the three-man defense that I've been rolling with the entire year for the most part. Got you this far, man. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, all quiet there. Nothing really new. Um, We're hoping for mid-March, maybe. Yeah, nothing on tank. Uh, Justin Falk sat out all weekend, but he is back tonight just in time for the perfect St. Louis schedule, and Logan Couture, after sustaining a facial injury, he's likely for Wednesday. Linus Olmark returned, Oscar Klefbaum returned, Elvis Merzlikens returned, Igor Shesterkin returned, uh, Bobrovsky's still out, and he's still pretty bad at hockey, uh, Connor Garland out for three weeks, Tori Krug is not going to play for the Flyers on Tuesday, not going to play Good. against the Flyers, sorry. I know um, what you meant. <laughs> I think he was roughed up a little bit in that Tampa Bay Boston bloodbath, man. There was like a line brawl. It was great, dude. It was a hell of. I a told game. you that night. I was this. It was playoff hockey. Like they were playing playoff hockey. Yeah, man. Right now, right now, because they wanted to say, hey, yeah, two, we'll see two a, short handles. We'll see it. We'll see you soon, and we're going. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a great series. Uh, Adam Boquist going through concussion protocol. Cal McCarr remains out. John Gibson set out their last game with a rib injury. Ryan Miller is going to pick up the slack, and they have two back to backs this week, so we might see Anthony Stolarz. And on the Thomas Tatar front, we got no news. We're still waiting on a diagnosis. And what, he went Whew. back to Montreal to get reevaluated. Yes, and Lucas Vegdemo is the, is the guy. Vegdemo. All right, man. So Vegdemo. let's pick up where we left off last week. Let's do uh, the division by division. Let's go with the Pacific now. Which, oh, yeah. Which is easily the least exciting. Actually, no, it's exciting, but it's just like they're, yeah, they're they're not. Like, they would be wild cards in any other division, really. If you, like, plop any of these teams into the Metro, yeah. they're still not even close to being in first place. Nope. Like, even the best team is, what, a third-place team in the Metro at best. So let's start off with the top of it, and that is the Golden Knights. Them and the Oilers, it's pretty much between those two for the one and two slots um originally a couple of days ago they were tied at this point the golden knights are up two points at 84 points while the oilers have uh 82 but remember they're playing tonight they're playing each other yeah yeah they're they're playing each other and they're someone's gonna win so i mean the oilers very likely could tie them back up unless it goes into overtime and they get a win then the knights would still be in first place so the knights are actually playing pretty well right now in their last 10 they're eight and two so they have uh what 16 points in their last uh 10 games which is 
pretty damn solid and good for the best last 10-game stretch by any team in the Pacific. I mean, you got the Kings putting their hat in the ring. You know, the Kings have been doing very well. They're up two it's, zip it's, on Colorado right now. It's wild. It's it's so weird how they chose now to start playing well when they are so so far out of it. Yeah, but they have sixty points right now. Like they're playing. Spoiler. Don't get me wrong. They're not. They're not Detroit bad. Are there even enough games for them? Like games left for them to even like if everybody else lost every game and they won every game going forward. There's like twenty. 14 games left. So if they won every single one, that's 28 points. That would put them at 88. It would, yeah, it would put I them guess. in first place if every other team lost every single game. But remember, I mean, that can't even happen because there's some, some times where, these, where those two, it might be the Coyotes versus the Canucks. Yep. So someone's got to win. You know? So like... Or tonight. Uh, Oilers the versus Kings, Vegas. The Kings are out of it, my Somebody's man. Somebody's going to win. Yeah, they're out of it. But they're looking good. Dustin Brown, fucking firing on all of them. Dude, so, okay. Yeah. I got a question for you. All right. You know how I feel about the goalie tandem for the Knights. I think it is scary good. I love the fact. Uh, I wish I was a Knights fan because you have Leonard and Flurry. Oh, my God. Like, it's amazing. But my question to you, even though it doesn't have any fantasy really relevance, and I understand that, but I'm just wondering because still at the at the the soul of this, it's all about hockey. How do they use that in the playoffs, like the real playoffs? Hmm. I guess they gotta have a how, true number how one. How many games does Leonard get? But let's look at it, man. Between Flurry, it's been going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Like they each get one start each. Yeah, it's been fifty-fifty. But here's the thing: Flurry is one win, two loss. Leonard's got three wins. That's that's where it's yeah. at. Do you think that they could possibly roll with Leonard mm. as their starter in the playoffs and say, hey, straight up Leonard? Man, Flurry has been so good for them in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think they got to go Flower. They got to do it. Originally, I thought the reason that they picked up Leonard for the most part was, like we said before, they've always relied so heavily on Flurry, especially at the end of the season, because their backup goalies have been shite. Yeah. So. I thought it was more of a way to give Flurry some rest. You know what I mean? Even if even if it's seventy thirty and Flurry's still getting getting starts every now and then, you know, it, it's saving him for the playoffs. I really do wonder how many games each player gets in in a seven game series. You know what I mean? And also, who gets game seven? It's big. I think they get splits. Like when it goes uh, two at home, two away, they probably split. Maybe, you know? And then I think Game 7 is going to be Flower. I still think that uh, that Flurry is, is the 1A. But they definitely got a tandem. Okay, so a player for the Knights. I know that you kind of like Nicholas Roy. And I kind of do too. He is getting a little more time on ice. He, he was up to around 17 minutes time on ice most recently. And he's still in the first line. He doesn't have any points yet. But he did have a hit and five shots on goal in that game. Oh, he's got a goal tonight, buddy. Oh, I didn't even see that. He's he got has a goal, goal tonight? Yeah, four shots, and uh, the goal came from the power that play, he too. He yeah. does have a goal. You are right. So That's there you sweet. go. Yeah, it was on the power play, so it's not because of his top line even strength deployment. How many shots on goal does he have? Four. Four. 
Because he's a that's fucking exact, stud. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's exactly what, what I'm getting at here. Even though when originally when I had written this, he hadn't scored that goal yet. So, but he was taking five shots on goal. You said he has four shots on goal this game. Mm-hmm. I, you know how I'm, how much I love shots. Yep. Shots, shots, shots. Let's <laughs> take some shots. So he's had, he, yeah, he's got four this game, four the game before, five the game before that, zero, and then two, three. So like they're there. But they're still, that's there. thirteen shots in three games. That is fantastic. Those are the kind of players that that I want to look at. And oddly enough, I mean, it's not like a lot of people have been huge on Nicholas Roy, but if he's going to be playing like this, I I'm going to be. Okay, so let's move over to the Oilers. Like I had said, they are two points behind the Golden Knights. It seems to me that they're they're just playing really good hockey right now. They're tied up right now with Vegas, who is ahead of them in the standing. So I, I expect this to be a pretty important game. But they are trending in the right direction. I like the moves that they made. You know how I feel about them going into the playoffs. I think they're going to be hard to deal with. Only if they had some good goaltenders and I mean it's not that Mike Smith and Koskinen are horrible but they're no letter and flurry yeah they're you not, know what I mean it's not a dream team yeah yeah like they're not bad they're they're, they're they, okay to me they play a very Toronto style hockey where you're the point of every game is just to outscore like you're you're gonna get few and far between good defensive games but you have Connor McDavid you have Leon Dreisaitl you have finally some depth too so just scoring six goals every game is going to help. The only thing is, you and I both know, even though I am worried about them in the playoffs, like as because I think they're going to do really well, mainly because uh, their power play, their ability to score on five on five, and their PK, which they're good at all of those things. But in the playoffs, yeah, those things fucking dry up real quick. Yeah, they, they kind of just let it the, go. The ice, the ice gets a lot smaller in the playoffs. It gets a lot more physical. The middle shuts down for the most part, or at least should. So we'll see how it goes. Is Cashin and RNH still on the top line? No. But they see, were projected. Them. Before McDavid was out, they were going back to RNH with McDavid and Cashin. And then Ennis moved to the that lethal second line that I really didn't think they were gonna um, that they were gonna break up. But I guess with RNH having as good a recent I think he had like he, he has an absurd amount of points. I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's like 19 and 12 games or something. But he has a lot of points in like kind of a lot of games. So maybe they're trying to stack that with McDavid and just go fucking balls deep on the top line and then have cash in there just because whatever. But they Dude, moved I Ennis to line about, two. I was all about this Ennis to line two move. I was all about it. Yeah, it looked good. All about it. Playing playing with yams and, and friggin' dry? Yeah. Come on. Come on. That's I a, wanted that. That's a good third wheel. Like, that's even a third I wheel now, that. you know? Yeah. I, I, I was upset to, to see that that didn't happen tonight. Uh, but we'll see what happens when McDavid comes back. Because in all, on, in all honesty, Ennis was my pick to pick up. Much more available. Obviously, for the most part, Yamamoto is not available in your league. He is much more widely owned now. And for good reason. And for good reason. But, uh, but yeah, so... I'm wondering if they will do that uh, coming up on what they play again on Wednesday, and we'll see who's playing with McDavid. And if he's back. I mean, hell, who knows? Yeah, I, I still think that Ennis... I would take Ennis over, like, Andreas Athanasiu. So that's where I'm at with that. 
And then we got the Flames. They're only a few points back, man. Yeah, the Flames are currently five points back of the Knights and three points back of the Oilers. Um, so prior to losing their last game, they were on a three-game win streak, which, I mean, wasn't bad. 6-3-1 and one is is their record for their last 10. Do you know firsthand about the, this first thing? Geo coming back, man. It seems to me like he's been like a locker room boost for the Flames. They're playing really well. Backland is on that second line, just putting on a show. And they're also moving in the right direction. I, I think that they are also playoff bound. I don't, I don't know about you. Yeah, I think they have to make it. Zach, you know, you know what I'm just noticing now? I'm looking at the standings. Calgary is the only team in a playoff spot with a negative goal differential. And that, that says a lot about the goalie situation there. Negative five. Yeah. Yeah. Detroit negative one nineteen. Christ, that is. Well, rough. I mean, even think even think about it. Like, okay, so just looking um, in the rest of the West, the Predators are are minus four, while the Flames are minus five. The Pacific is so bad. <laughs> the West. So the Pacific is so bad though that the Fl- Flames have seventy nine points with with a negative five goal goal differential. The Predators have 76, which is pretty close, but they are in what? Sixth place. They are second to last in the Central. Yep. So that's the thing. I mean, I think the Flames are going to be playoff bound, um, but that's only because they're they're looking at the Pacific. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Pacific is really, really bad. How about Minnesota? I know we're going to talk about the Central, so I don't want to like skip ahead too much, but they're they're playing really well. I'll, I'll save it for tomorrow. Minnesota's just unreal. In a playoff spot, almost. Yeah, they are playing really well. But, uh, okay, so back to the Flames. Another time, I'm going to keep on saying it like I always do, Michael Backlund, uh, he has six goals, seven assists in his last ten, three shots on goal per game in that span. The only thing is, very worrisome, TJ, 22% shooting percentage. Oof. That's a little scary. Over, over that span is what I'm saying. In that last 10 games, he is a 22% shooting. That's not his thing either. He's not that guy. But ride the wave while you can. Oh, Go for out. sure. Yeah. Ride the wave while you can. If they are trending in the right direction, that's really what you want to do going into the playoffs and while you're in the playoffs as well is find these teams that are playing with something to give a damn for. You know what I mean? They are trying to push and claw and scrape their way into the real playoffs and you can piggyback off of that success okay down to the flames who are currently in fourth place with 76 points really not trending in the same direction uh they lost their last game they're three six and one in their last 10 i'm a little worried for them uh 76 points not so not so hot yeah they need markstrom back well, they need uh, they need a lot of people back. They are really bit by the injury bug. So Besser, Furland, Lievo, and then Markstrom, like like you just said, who dude, it's a Vesna candidate. You yeah. know what I mean? He uh he actually was just moved to day to day, and I couldn't find anything about it. It was weird. He he switched from out to day to day in Yahoo, and I don't know what that's about. Well, we'll see because uh, him coming back is definitely a big deal for them. Uh, and honestly, it could be like you, you know what I mean? Like sometimes certain players come back and the locker room gets a spark. 
you'd have to hope that that's what would happen with uh, Markstrom because they are definitely trending in the wrong direction right now. And I'm thinking will not make the playoffs. I don't know how you feel. Okay, so Arizona, they're in fifth place. Still kind of in the mix at 74 points. Kemper is back. Ranta is back. And they're they're both keeping them in this. Uh, they're keeping them in this race because the Coyotes have not been doing very well lately. They are 5-5, five and five, which is, you know, not too shabby. But at the end of the day, like, this is the time where you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps sort of shit. You know what I mean? And do everything you can to get into the playoffs on a 5-5 five and five record. Uh, going forward is not going to help that at all. Kemper is getting the lion's share of the starts right now, but oddly enough, he is not playing as well as Ronta. I don't know if you've really kind of um, looked into this duo lately, but, I mean, it was Kemper at the beginning of the year, and oh, it was yeah. e- easy, easy. Like, hands down, not even close. Kemper was so much better. Okay, so just in Darcy Kemper's last five, he's been pretty good, but... He had that game against Minnesota, and you were talking about how good Minnesota is playing. Yeah, they're playing so good that they put up seven friggin' goals against him. Seven goals. That's just, that's rude. That's rude to do to your goalie. <laughs> Leave him in for seven goalies. Um, Unless it's Pecorino. Leave him in. If you average that into his uh, last five, he has an 898 um, with that really bad outing. Without, he has a 928, which isn't too bad. Until you take a look at Ronta, my whole thing with Ronta is, so usually you would expect a backup goalie to get all of the easy games. You know what I mean? Your backup goalie is playing New Jersey and LA and Chicago, like teams that are beatable, you know? It's not like that. Uh, they're, they're seeing really kind of split starts as far as who they are playing. Um, so he is getting hard teams too. Just in his last five. Win against Buffalo, easy game. Win against Tampa Bay, loss against St. Louis, where he actually only let in one goal and had like a 979 or something like that that game and got the loss. Um, New York Islanders win, Washington win. It's yeah. a 949 in his last five games against good teams. Yeah. And like I said, Kemper let in seven goals against Minnesota. Ronta has only let in eight goals against in those five games. Against Tampa mm. Bay. Yeah, Against right? Washington. Against St. Louis. You know what I mean? Eight goals against in five games. Like, most of these teams are scoring, you know what I mean, three, four goals a game. Ronta playing damn good. I'm kind of a little up on Ronta. I think he is actually worth a look. Um, I don't know what you think, but... He is trending in the right direction. Yeah, I had to drop Darcy Kemper in our in our points league. After a couple, I was like, ah, it's not worth it. I'll pick up Skater. So we don't have, like, goalie minimum starts or anything. So I just, I have Vasilevsky. I'm just going to roll with him. Works for me. I did, I did see that you do that. Yeah. Okay, so just to finish it up, Ducks, 64 points. Yeah, they're, they're done. Sharks, 63 points. They're also done. And the Kings with 60 points. And like you had said earlier... Kings, for some reason, playing really well right now. Playing the spoiler. They have five games in a row where they have won. And they're winning tonight. And they're looking like they are going to win against Colorado. It's absurd. So they're going to go on a six-game friggin' win streak when it doesn't matter. Ah, the Knights win in overtime over the Oilers. There it is. Oh, and... ah. 
That's bad. Ah. That's bad for the Canucks, the Flames, the Coyote. The three point game between the two top teams in the league. Wow. How about it? All right, brother. Uh, let's get into let's get into some line changes. Something that might change the landscape of your playoffs and could either put some value up, value down, that kind of thing, depending on the player, depending on the deployment. So we're gonna get started on that. So the first one that's kind of interesting is Jeff Skinner is finally playing on the top line. It only took him like 70 games to figure it out that uh, that he is good when he plays with um, Jack Eichel. Nothing yet, actually, but I added him as like a speculative ad in, in the bye week, which is kind of like the perfect time to go for him. But he's got three shots tonight. Game's over, I think. But the minutes have seen a serious uptick. He's, that brings him to 14 shots in three games playing with Eichel, which is what we want out of Jeff Skinner. The law of averages will eventually come to fruition, but there is no top power play for him. They are going double Rasmus up there. And Zach, it doesn't feel like it affected Olafson at all. He got a goal at even strength playing with like Marcus Johansson and Dominic Cahoon. You mean Victor Playoffson? Victor Playoffson. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be. He's still a pretty decent ice time too. 1652, just under 17 minutes with three shots on goal. And that that was the problem with Olofsson. Um, he wasn't shooting, and that's that's what he does. He is mm. a pure shooter. Yep. He needs to be throwing pucks on net. I think. I uh, I mean, I'm hoping that it's gonna be kind of like a slap on the wrist for for Olofsson, and they will bring him back up into that top line, saying, "Okay, don't suck again like that." You know what I mean? Because screw Jeff Skinner, man. <laughs> Dude, the odds on Boston Philly tomorrow are identical. Like. It's both minus 105 and minus 110 for the open and the live. So, like, there, there's no real line there. I'm, I'm excited for that game. Yeah, that's going to be – that'll that'll be a tell-all. If we can win 10 in a row and go up against the best team in the NHL, I think people might actually take it seriously. And I know a lot of people finally are, so – which is interesting. How, could, how can you not? Yeah. I mean, no offense, but, I mean, how can you not? 9-1-0 in their last 10. Looking good. Um, all right, Keller on the top line with Garland. Uh, Arizona's got a primo schedule next week. They have that perfect schedule. So does the New York Rangers. So do the New York Rangers, I think. Um, that's just off the top of my head here. But do you have any interest in Clayton Keller, who has been like somewhat disappointing this year, getting some top-line time with Hall and Dvorak? Yeah, I kind of do. I actually picked him up in a league. And he got me some points. I was super happy about it. I did, however, drop him then immediately right away. He's been playing okay as of late. And and like I said before, and like I will always say, the shots were still there. Um, which is why I kind of took a little quick flyer on him. And I wanted to see what would happen. Luckily, it helped me out. Nothing tonight. Like straight goose eggs. No shots tonight. No shots the game before. But before that, you're absolutely right. It's got 10-13 in the four games prior. So... That's looking pretty good. The ice time was kind of iffy tonight, 16.09. But, yeah, five points in his last five games outside of the goose egg tonight. Looking pretty decent. I don't know how, like, he's not going to bring anything but shots and points, and we're not really seeing either. He's got, what, 44 points in 69 games? Just going to have to keep waiting on Keller. But here's one, Zach. All right. One for the clip book, Frankie V, playing on the top line with Barkov and Dadnov. This is where Frank Vitrano Gets his shit done. When he's in the top six, it is a good look. And a Hubie, Halla, and Hoffman, the 3-H line, down on the second line. 
that that's pretty scary too. Is it's not even like a downgrade for Huberto. I think it's more of an upgrade for Hall and Hoffman on that second line, and it's definitely an upgrade for Frank Vitrano, who's been known to shoot, hit, and get everything offense everything. too. He does it all. Yeah, he does it all, and uh, he makes really good pizza. What I can I can only imagine. Yeah, that's something definitely to be looking out for. Another one that I'm not like super sold on is Joel Armia. On the top line with Deneau and Paul Byron. It's not the most exciting line, but with a couple extra know. minutes for Armia, uh, he's a bang boy, so he a couple extra minutes gives him a couple extra times to skate around and hit somebody, which which will help Joel Armia owners. Somebody that I think you should have cut bait when we told you weeks and weeks ago, but just, yeah. just as something that you should know, is Victor Arvidsson's playing on the fourth line and second power play, both of which lead him to have 12... 11, 12, 15, 14, 15 in his last six games. Those are his minutes. Ew. Those are his Ew. minutes. That is abysmal. That's abysmal. Yeah, it's not looking good for Victor Arvidsson. I think if you're in a desperation mode and you have Victor Arvidsson on your team, he should be looked at as like bottom of your roster kind of guy. I know the, the name values there. There have been half goal per game seasons last year and uh, even close to it the year prior, but that's not this year. You gotta you gotta get away from Victor Arvidsson, and especially if there's something attractive on the waiver wire. Uh, real quick in Philly, Joel Farabee is getting second line time with JVR out, and I want uh, I, like it's so late in the season to be recommending somebody that gets like 11 minutes, but Nicholas Albe Kubel, man, he is hitting. He's got 16 shots with like 11 minutes a game, two power play points, eight points in 11 games, uh, and he does bang. So. Abe Kubel, hopefully somebody we can talk more about next year. Uh, I know in the minors he was like he's a stellar PIM guy, and uh, he hits like crazy. So uh, Patrick Marlowe has been skating with market. Patrick Marlowe has been skating with Evgeny Malkin. Uh, ah. Yeah, Markin. Um, I'm gonna cut that out for those of you that you know don't notice the editing. Sometimes it's a little sketchy, but yeah, I just called him Markin. Uh, Jared McCann, Bukestad, and Hornqvist on line three. And I don't know what to make of it because, like, every game that I'm looking at my roster, I'm like, okay, Hornquist is, like, close to the bottom of my roster. Like, the deployment is so bad looking at it on paper because he, apparently he lost top power play. That's word on the street. But it looks like it's still together. Like, he is logging minutes with the top guys. Like, I know on paper it looks like Zucker's the top power play, but Zucker's getting close to power play two deployment. Uh, when I'm looking at, like, left wing lock and stuff, like, he plays most of his time with that second unit. And something that's super interesting is Justin Schultz is the top power play quarterback right now and not Chris Letang. So if you're in need of a, like a spot start or something, Justin Schultz getting exposure to those guys on the top power play is huge. And Horkva still doing it. 14-45 time on ice, five shots, three hits, a block shot, like two goals a couple games ago with 13 minutes against Buffalo. I want to drop him so bad, but he keeps scoring, so, like, I can't. And, like, he's, he's just filling categories and getting me points, so that's that. Zach, Sammy Blay is on the top line with no power play time. But this is just in time for his perfect schedule, and Blay is one of our favorite bang boys. But I do remember when he had top line time before, he was still getting, like, 14 minutes. So, like... Yeah, he still wasn't great in get, uh, getting great time on ice, but... He loves throwing around those hits. Oh my and I, god! And I love and I love him doing it. Oh, he's so good at it. So just keep that in your mind too. Like everybody's looking at St. Louis right now, and Sammy Blay was like kind of just moved to the top line over the weekend. So it's something 
that might not be on a lot of radars out there as far as like, I know Keeping Carlson mentioned it and like the words out there, but if, if you, and, and that's the thing too, is like a lot of people are like tune out to fantasy hockey podcasts this late in the season. So if you're still listening, uh, there's a good chance that Sammy Blay is under the radar in your league. In Toronto, William Nylander and Austin Matthews are back together. That puts Marner and Tavares with Kasperi Kapanen and Zach Hyman, your top line plug all the time. Morgan Riley practicing on power play twos, as mentioned before. And Zach, I saved the best piece of information for last in this episode. Sam Gagne is on the top power play in Detroit. Everybody get friggin' hype. Yeah, that's where we're at. So that is the episode. We're done. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on the Discord. You can find us everywhere. And we love you guys. Bye. Love yous. <laughs>